Mr. Ryan Deeds, how are we doing today, sir? I am awesome today. It's a good day there, Joey. I appreciate you having me on, and I'm excited to uh, to share with you and, and learn from you because you've kind of been doing this for a bit, man. I've seen you at the conferences. I've always been nervous to go up and talk to you because you're kind of a rock star, and so I was really touched that you reached out and you were like, hey, you want to come chat? I was like, yes. So it was cool. Well, now it's, now it's a lot awkward, Ryan. I'm not sure. It's, it's like, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. It's, it's, it's actually overly kind. And I, uh, I might have, uh, we might have passed in the hallway. And I was like, I think I know who that guy is. I think that's Ryan. And you just kind of gave me this look like, I don't know, should we say hi? And it was just this nice, awkward thing that we just left each other alone. So I'm glad we both felt that. See, that's my whole life. That's my whole life right there. That yeah. that look, that look is really like a desperate cry for somebody to come and talk to you about insurance technology. Mm. But then I just kind of look down and walk away like Rain Man. And I mean, that's kind of my shtick, you know, when I'm in the public space. Yeah. So, social anxiety is uh, certainly a real thing. And um, <laughs> so, I mean, all right. I, I do know actually very little about you. I mean, I know I've heard the podcast and I love the podcast. I, I know, you know, you are focused on the technology space, but I really know very little else about, you know, kind of your backstory. So I thought it might be fun. Catch everybody up. Let's, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit and then we can go wherever we're going. Sure. Um, I started in insurance agency stuff in like 2002 at an agency in Florida that was a, a, an AssureX partner at the time at Linear Upshaw. I was a system administrator, but I got pulled over to do a bunch of data stuff. And so I was there for 10 years, moved on to the Crichton Group in Nashville. Um, they, they're 22 million in revenue, something like that and did a whole bunch of data and innovation, building cool tools and really getting uh, focused on employee engagement. You know, how do you get the employees jazzed about technology and how do you get them to pull it to you? And I just had a great ops team and we were able to do really neat stuff. And then in October of last year, I got invited and Crichton was an AssureX partner as well. Um, and then last year I got invited to join AssureX, which is kind of a nonprofit conglomerate of insurance agents that have come together um, and it's geographically specific. So most of the time we, we only have one per state, but they just kind of work together and collaborate on different projects. And that's like my whole deal, right? I mean, my, my whole thing is let's come together and do something awesome. And so when I got invited to come and do that with those agents, it just made made total sense for my next move. And um, so that's kind of where I am. And then, yeah, I worked with Indio for a while and they were gracious enough to say, hey, Ryan, we think you should be on a podcast. And I said, sounds like a good idea. And so uh, they, they hooked that up for me. And so now I get to go and have cool people on and talk about insurance operations, technology, problems, all kinds of cool jazz on this podcast called The Digital Broker. Um, and yeah, man. And so it's just kind of an exciting time to be in insurance, uh, especially if you have any technical knowledge, you know, all kinds of people are trying to figure it out. And it's just, it's just fun. It's awesome. And so that's my little short and sweet story. So after all of that, what does what does exciting look like to you these days? I mean, what, after, after all the kind of things that you've done, where's the bar at for you as far as what, what actually kind of gets you going in the morning? Oh man. I mean, I, you know, I'm lucky because the job that I have is directly related to helping multiple agencies come together and build something. And so, um, you know, uh, right now we see a lot of pressure from the larger brokers, right? Willis, Aon, USI, they're doing all kinds of cool stuff that most um, independents can't d deal with or most yeah. agents can't really affect. 
So it's pushing our agencies together more in AssureX to be able to try to collaborate and figure that out. And um, that's my daily mission every day is to get up. How do we figure out, you know, how do I get this agency and that agency and this agency to work together? How do we combine our strengths? And like right now, we're working on a big data project that'll bring this stuff together and help us communicate with carriers better. And, you know, I just love talking to the CIOs and being a resource for them. Um, the CEOs helping them with data strategy. I really never know what my day is going to be like. I may get three calls from principals asking me, you know, what what should they do with data? Um, but that's kind of what's fun about my day is I know that I'm going to help an insurance agency. I know they're trying to help their clients and their staff get better. And that, that I think is the driver is I, I want to make it an awesome industry to work in for our account managers, our account manager assistants, and the rest of the folks surrounding that. How, um, how receptive have some of those conversations been? I mean, is it, is it the people that you're working with, have they already come into it with the idea of, Hey, we need to do this together. Or is there still a little bit of that? But this is going to be good. Promise. Trust me. I promise it'll be fine. No, it's not that anymore. I mean, that's how it was three years ago. Right. And so now it is, it is, what do we need to do? Because I mean, again, it's a capabilities play, right? If you are an $80 million insurance agency, which is relatively large, you cannot invest in the, the R and D and AI and all this other stuff that these larger firms are investing in. But you could have um, a pool of agencies come together and invest in that technology and be able to to build something awesome. And so that's that's that, and that's what I'm seeing. You know, I've got five or six agencies flying into Nashville on the 25th just to kind of hang out and talk about innovation, figure out what our true tactical steps are to drive a project to fruition by the end of the year. And I just, I, you wouldn't have had that two years ago. But fear, I think, is driving uh, a lot of that mm -hmm. because they're seeing these capabilities come out of these larger organizations. And so it's like the right time and the right place for me. I, I, that's how I feel often. I guess whatever emotion gets it done, right? We can't be too picky, can we? Nah, man. I mean, and, and luckily, I'm, I, I'm a passionate cat. You know, I really love a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so I, I dig the insurance space. And I think that we're doing such neat stuff now that I'd, I never thought it would be cool. You know, I've been in this space for 17 years and I was always kind of like, eh, it's insurance. And now it's like, damn, it's insurance. And How dare you, Ryan? How dare you, How dare you underestimate <laughs> us like that? Man, that's how it was though, right? I mean, think about like what you guys have done and how much you guys have changed the, the, the whole landscape over time. I mean, you know, to have stuff, to have the conferences that you guys have and the, the following that you guys have today, I just think it's, it's pretty awesome. I don't think we would have had that five years ago. Well, I appreciate that. And I have to say thank you to you, sir. Uh, I did catch uh, the episode you'd mentioned. You did a rundown of like some of your top uh, conferences of the year and you obviously mentioned Elevate, uh, which will be in your home home uh, town there, which I didn't even realize until 10 minutes ago. Um, but uh, I have to appreciate that. Uh, really, thank you for doing that, sir. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. So let me, I, what I got to know, though, is where are we at? Like, what is, what is the most awesome thing you've seen, like, yesterday, today? What's going to, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's on the 25th? Like, what, what is something that we need to start putting in our heads to say, this is right around the corner? Well, I mean, I, I think, what what is driving the most concern are these benchmark reports that are coming out of some of the larger agencies you know some of the and talking about like a usi a um uh, all the big ones have some kind of benchmarking utility for their producers and they're seeing 
higher levels of success for their producers, which then uh, really drives agencies to uh, that don't have that tool to try to figure out how to build that tool um, so they can get in. And, and what we're talking about is, you know, I want to be able to go to a website. I want to put in my geographic location, my industry information, my size of company, and I want to get back my coverage limits, my exposures, you know, some business intelligence about that risk. And then I want to be able to take it out to that client and I want to be able to show it to show expertise in that niche, even if I'm not an expert. And that's what we're seeing some of the larger brokers provide. Um, and it's driving a lot of agencies to try to figure out how to do that. Um, and so that's, you know, anything that deals with collective amounts of data for me gets me excited as heck. And I work with uh, a multitude of agencies data every day, um, trying to figure out, you know, what, what kind of coverages are accelerating, what, what's happening to, with what carriers and what makes sense to, to, to look to maybe move volume from this place to that place. And that's always just that, that's the, you know, Tightening those relationships with those core carriers are a big deal. Trying to figure out how we deliver uh, true value to our clients, either through benchmarking, loss control services, um, you know, that's cool stuff. And then the, the more far reaching stuff is like working with companies like a chisel um, to come together and, and figure out, can we build some kind of collective AI uh, that can help consume data through from claims or consume data um, through, through a multitude of sources and generate value to the client. I mean, and that's a lot of that stuff is very slow process just because it takes a long time to get different stuff lined up and all the parties to play, but we're, we're seeing it come together and gel much more effectively, um, now than it has in the past. And like ITC, which should be awesome. Uh, you know, we'll have a bunch of Assurex folks there. We'll have a bunch of InsureTech folks there. And so. You know, I get to sit in the middle of that, trying to build relationship, help those agencies build better relationships with those insure tech firms to net more value out of the technology that they're leveraging. And I think that's that's a critical kind of component of mine, which is like, let's just see what we have. How do we drive value from that investment? And how do we make that better for our employees? So that's kind of my deal. Yeah. So when we start talking about data and all the things that can be done there. I, will, I always come back to this idea of where's this, where do you draw the line for yourself of, of making, of kind of crunching that, of being able to process that, of, of being able to make better decisions based on that. And then on the flip side, you know, there's also this idea of, well, we've probably overcomplicated things along the way, just in general. And how do we, how do we kind of further push that simplification process? And they probably are hand in hand in some ways, but um, do you do you kind of draw a line down the middle somewhere and say this is uh, we need to process all of this complexity or how do we make it less complex to to kind of begin with? Is there ways that we can kind of get around that? Oh yeah, no, I, I start very simple. I mean, I've done data and insurance agencies for fifteen years, so I never try to eat the elephant. You know, it's it's all about what what do you want the end result to be what's the best quality of data that you have in the organization and how those two marry up i mean oftentimes organizations cannot do benchmarking on their own either through a lack of volume or a lack of data quality um, but there are certain areas in the data sets that are clean um just by the nature of who the agency is. And they have a lot of good information that you can leverage to at least build initial frameworks out. 
Speaking of, and you, you said you said you said it, clean data, and that, I, I was feeling comfortable saying that for some reason. It just sounds a little more uh, romantic than it needs to be. But uh, what are the biggest problems that you're finding with just the ability to have something to work from, and and where can agents, if they haven't really kind of put this on their brain as a focus, where's the best place to start? I mean, there's only there is one problem that keeps agencies from from using analytics effectively and it's it's estimated revenue i mean if you're talking about extremely granular very tactical steps but it's because most agencies do not have a good mechanism to track um what the value of a policy that's in force in its entirety is right now. And typically people would know that as written or estimated, but they do not do a, I mean, if, and there's just a small example. If you take a five-year pollution policy that's $50,000 one-year pay, if you carry that policy active for five years, um, anytime you pull that book on estimated or written numbers, you're going to show $50,000 of value, which would grossly overstate that. So generally, you have to create a business rule that says, okay, we've got a one-year policy that's $50,000, and then we have a four-year policy that's $0, and then they'll tie out with booked revenue and estimated revenue. But estimated revenue, the way that you, the way that your firm goes in and says, this is what we expect to collect over for, for this policy. That is the largest problem that every insurance agency has. They, they, they do not have a good handle on that. There are so few that even recognize it. They use booked revenue as their primary analytic and it's wrong because it's always looking back and it's, it's a terrible lagging indicator. How do you fix it? Well, I mean, it's a lot of operational overhead. I think the smaller you are, the easier it is to get it in place. Um, you know, oftentimes you would run reports or audits. I would always run an audit on what did we collect in booked revenue on this policy versus what did we estimate? If we've booked more than we estimated, then show me a flag. Let me see that thing and let me get it fixed. I run an audit on no estimated revenue. If there's no, no value in there, let's get it fixed. Um, and typically for me, it's a dashboarding system. I mean, I'm going to put a dashboarding system in place to show that to the end user that entered that data to train them over time to get the uh, master data management sorted out. I mean, that that's my my process for the most part and how I've seen it work um, effectively in, in multiple agencies. Now... Where does, because there's just knowing the numbers, right, of, of where it's appropriated in, in the right year, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about, right, is knowing at any given time where, how we're, we're making sure we're accounting for the revenue of the agency at the, at, the, at the appropriate time and for the appropriate length, correct? Correct. Well, I mean, so say that a carrier comes up to an agency and says, hey, man, how much, uh, how much commercial business do you write today? How does an agency pull that generally? And so maybe they go through their policies in force and they look at booked revenue. Typically, they do not have a number that they can trust with, with that estimated value. And so, yes, I mean, that's what you're talking about. Because then you can create dashboards that show an account manager or producer, this is where you are to were on January 1, this is where you are today, here's the difference, here's your growth. Here, I mean, you can do all kinds of stuff with that number that you can't do with any other number. Um, and, but operationally you have to sit down around the table, discuss all the nuances of it. How do you handle different things? How do you handle long-term policies, short-term policies? And, um, so often it doesn't, folks don't want to do that. 
Well, because that's that's one of the things that I, I was curious of, if, if if you've gotten to a point where uh, there's there's profitability being taken into consideration of you know the amount of time it does take to get these things in place, the amount of time on the back end uh, to service it, and and just assigning sort of a profitability number. I'm assuming that's even further away than than what we're talking about here. Well, I mean, my biggest thing with with that with that key metric is employee engagement. How do you show your employees what the heck they are doing if you don't have that number? That that's my. I mean, from a from a data strategy standpoint, if I I want to see data strategy being able to communicate top level goals to the to every position in the organization, and if you don't you, and you can't do that without that number, it, it's it's literally impossible. I mean, otherwise it's all swaggy. Nobody understands it. Um, and so I think, yes, you take some operational overhead to get that right, but the long-term advantage with employee engagement, productivity, and all this other stuff is a huge win. And then, yes, it, once you get that number, you can do all kinds of other analytics, just depending on how much data you have. I mean, profitability is such a freaking nightmare because it depends on the allocation on how you're doing headcount, how you're doing space all this different stuff. I mean, it's, I've seen 20 different ways to do profitability and they're all relatively swaggy. Um, and so, but the ones that are closest have good estimated revenue numbers. So it all starts with that numbers, what you're saying. I mean, I think so. It, when we're talking about things that have held agencies back from using data or when they say they have bad data, generally what they're talking about is they have bad, they, they don't have good estimated revenue. They can't pull a book of business for the account manager and, and make it make sense for a point in time right now. Is the average agent equipped to even start tracking it effectively if they could? Yeah, for sure. I mean, every agency management system has it in there. Um, and ultimately, every agency will run into a point when they're like, damn it, I wish we had this. Um, and so it, it, it depends on what... The problem is most agencies have come up from producer ranks. Producers, don't, you, you don't really find out about this problem until you're a little bit more operationally, you know, until you're maybe 15 people, 20 people. But if you can start this earlier and get it ingrained into the organization, it's a gigantic win for you. I mean, you know, I would just ask the agents today, how do you pull, if you want to pull construction, how do you pull your construction book? If you want to look at what Bob, the account manager, is doing, how do you pull Bob's book of business? Um, and however they answer that will be very telling because typically it's going to be based on booked revenue because they don't have good estimated revenue numbers, but booked revenue is always looking backwards and it's a terrible indicator to use for workflow or workload uh, management. And how far, how big of a gap are we talking once you have that estimated revenue number kind of in place and, and functioning at a somewhat regular level to where you can start to then segment slice and dice all the way down uh, how much more work i mean because it sounds like once you've got that then it's just a, a matter of of basically flipping switches so to speak to yeah to that, the, that's the, all the, it is <clears throat> yeah i mean that that's all it really is once you have i mean i my target is five percent variance you know if i was to look at 2018 get the whole booked revenue and compare that to the and to compare that to the average estimated revenue across the board for that year i should be within like a five percent variance um, because they're two very different numbers one you're snapshotting every day the other one is a you know drips in over time um 
and they have two they have very different uses but they both keep each other in check and that's how you know that you're getting all the money that you're supposed to from the carrier that's how you know that you're growing or not growing i mean uh, but as you learn estimated revenue your data maturity kind of goes up um but then yeah when you want to look at volume for a carrier it's easy when you want to look at volume for a line of business it's easy when you want to look at volume for an employee it's easy everything is way simpler if you have faith in that number so the only thing i guess i don't know that we've necessarily clearly stated is what is the the answer to an agency kind of acquiring that number more effectively well, I mean, that's always a challenge because, you know, typically a lot of times on binding the, the policy or once you, you know, the account manager may not know the estimated revenue of that or not be have a clear uh, understanding of what the revenue is going to be. But that's why you have to run these audits. I mean, you have to create audits on that number to say, okay, this has been enforced for 10 days and we don't have an estimated revenue figure in here. Okay, we've booked more revenue on this policy than we've estimated. Give it back to the account manager and let's ask why. You know, was there an audit done? Was there a credit done? What was the deal? Um, you know, there, there's all kinds of, but those are the two primary audits that reports that you would run to check that number. The initial is, is super arduous because if you haven't done it, you've got to decide how many years you go back and do it. Do you go back two years and populate that stuff? Or do you go back one year? Or do you just start from now? Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's really not something that you can just sit down and start doing. It's something that you need to sit down as an agency and say, okay, we don't have a good way to pull this stuff with validity. How do we get started in this? Let's sit down around the table and talk about the challenges of getting this done and what the end result will be if we do accomplish it. What stands in our way? How do we, I mean, you know, it's, it, it is one of those things that you really, the agents got to come together and kind of say, this is why we need to do this. Put a strategic focus on that and then push down continually to get that thing in there. Um, I mean, we had, we, it took us two years. It took us two years to get our, to get our estimated revenue at Crichton to the way that we needed it to be with all the nuances, all the crazy little things you had to figure out. Um, but then after two years, we knew exactly where we stood. We could show the account managers and the producers and the account manager assistants and the AEs and the managers where the departments were, where they were, what was moving forward, what they had lost, what they had gained, all that jazz. And that built employee engagement. I mean that they lived and died off the dashboards, you know, and so that that was something that was a productivity increasing tool because it got buy in from the staff because they like to see that they like to understand their impact in the organization. Well, it's uh, you're, you've closed the feedback loop, right? You basically built a scale for agents, right? That's right. That's right. So that's very, I mean, I mean, it's, it, I don't want to I don't want to like kind of poo poo it, but that sounds very simple. Like in, in, in the broad stroke of like, let's find this number and it's going to do so many things, right? Um, just to help internal structure and, and kind of action. Um, and it sounds exciting and something that should be happening probably at a more regular pace. I'm curious, on the other side of things, from the, the consumer's end and data and what we're able to kind of do, where's, where's your biggest fear, pain point, excitement, whatever, in terms of improving things on that side? So most of the clients want two things is what we're, what, what I'm seeing. 
And that is they want to understand what they're buying and why compared to their peers, which would be benchmarking. Um, and then they want some kind of claims analytic, you know, and this is typically for larger risk management accounts, um, commercial line stuff. But, you know, we were able to provide some dashboards to our clients that they would were able to see their frequency and severity of claims, show them how our loss control services tied into that and, and reduce those, quantifying our value, and it creates extremely sticky business and you can you, you can kind of go to a fee for service on that um, which will help with some of the challenges um as as we move forward in the future i think i mean i think every agency needs to be thinking about revenue replacement and, and how they build products that align with their core service offerings today um as we face possible commission compression, uh, fracture distribution, um, different challenges in the space. And so, but those are the two main things. Benchmarking, which helps the client understand what they're buying, why they're buying it, and what their peers are buying. And then claims analytics to help them understand how to offset those costs and how to reduce claims frequency and severity over time. Now that's for larger stuff. The smaller, the smaller, like, high net worth they want concierge service it's not much it's not that much of a data play they want to have you know online access to their um documents they want you want to help the wealth uh, we had a lot of luck with going to wealth advisors or center of influence making it easier for us to do business with those guys they then pushed their clients to us and we would do that with online portals or specific technology tools with core personal lines it's all about speed and where are you do you have the ability to text your client do you have the ability to get on video with your client and still remain in compliance you know can you be where your client wants to be i think one of the things that each agency needs to do is really go through segmentation so look at their book of business look at what um, class of clients they have, and then have hard discussions about what value looks like to those clients from uh, from all all aspects, not just technological, but what you know, really trying to figure out what value looks like to that segment so you can deliver that. Um, without that conversation, I don't really know how they do it. It's just kind of like throwing stuff out there because I think that if you can say, okay, we know that core needs texting and video capabilities. We know high net worth needs concierge, concierge service and white glove touches. I mean, what are things that we can bring in that facilitate those two different offerings? Um, and then how do we market that the most effectively? And so I think that seg going through that exercise of what's value to your segment, what's value to that class of client, having those discussions around the table with a bunch of people that deal with that, and then really going back to those clients and after a little while and saying, is this working? You know, using an MPS mechanism of some form, getting some kind of direct feedback from them, I think is critically important and easy to do today. So yeah, uh, they basically, on, on the large side, they basically want to play the percentages, right? It's like poker. Um, they want to see, you know, what likelihood that hand is of, of kind of, you know, ultimately winning or losing in some cases, right? Like playing the percentages on potential claims. That's right. I mean, they want to, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a trucking company, I want to be able to, and I have 500 employees, I want to make sure that I'm not over or underinsured compared to another trucking company that has 500 employees in my area, you know? Um, or if I am overinsured or if I'm buying different coverages, I want to understand why. And, you know, obviously the agent can help make those determinations. Um, 
but that's the that is where we see a lot of consumer demand for from from the larger commercial folks um in those benchmarking because they feel i mean it's not golf anymore i mean maybe it's a little bit of golf but now it's all about why am i buying this why do i need it what what is other people what are other everybody else getting well you know from from what i just heard it's you're basically visualizing the traditional explanation right um something that would take 10 or 15 minutes to explain they want to be able to see and understand in seconds um just in a piece of data would that be accurate yeah. And I mean, I think it changes the whole perspective of who the, who the seller is. You know, if I'm a, if I'm Fred, the insurance buyer for a trucking company and, you know, producer one walks in and he has a portfolio of stuff and he sits down and he walks me through all this stuff over and it takes 30 minutes. That's one thing. If, you know, a producer two comes in and he has his iPad and he has a couple graphs and he's able to explain this in five minutes which one do i feel like has more uh, a better technology which one do i feel is better able to understand and convey what i need which one am i more comfortable with remaining relevant and up to date i mean it, it just from that small thing you can start to make a difference you can start to differentiate and i think that that's that's how i like to leverage technology i mean let's let's show that we're different let's stop saying hey we're different Nah, man, let's show yeah. that we're different. You know, we never have to say it. Um, I, I was watching, uh, I was watching the Indians there on ESPN last night and I, I can't remember the last time I watched a game on ESPN. I can't remember the last time I actually watched any sequential number of innings of baseball just because, you know, children in life. But, um, the, one of the, the, there's a guy on base and they were showing his lead they're playing the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox run and they had a line like where he could take off and they showed every step he took the percentage, how it increased of his likelihood to steal the base. I'm like, this is taking the fun out of for me guys. Like it's just <laughs> it a little bit for me because I, I see he's got an 80% chance that he's going to make it. But although, you know, again, if we cut him down to 20, but that, that's, that's kind of the thing, right? You're seeing in real time, the likelihood success of, of a purchase or understanding that decision and and that's kind of i think where we're heading right except it's just not frivolous baseball it's like millions of millions of dollars in claims well for sure i mean i think we're in this intermediary part i mean i think truly when you look at insurance in 10 years it is all about risk removal right um right now it's about making you financially whole yeah. i truly believe long term it's about how do we remove the risk from happening through you know sensor data and all these other mechanisms which really makes me scared for the agent because I don't understand exactly where the agent fits in in that place, especially mm -hmm. general non niched out agencies. Easy, you know, Ryan. Easy, Ryan. Well, no, I mean, I mean, I'm this is, getting no, I know I'm kidding. You're right. I though. Mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is it, you know, and that's why, like, I think you know, agents should go to these conferences. We've yeah. got people there <clears throat> that have this stuff that are willing to help us as the agency channel that can take a little bit of the power away from from some of these larger places. I mean, that's and so when I think about where we're headed and how we need to to change, those are some of the factors that I really think about. So, um, uh, me and you maybe right now, what we're going to do is uh, we'll be executive producers on the first minority report for risk removal insurance. We'll blow it up. Forget the TV shows. We'll just have that whole movie. I'm not sure we need to star in it, but you know, that's what you're talking about, right? Being able to predict and just stop things from happening in the first place. 
That's right. Exactly correct. I mean, you know, and, and as sensor data becomes more prevalent and we get more trust, you know, I mean, I, we drive, the, our society drives me crazy sometimes. We, we, have a, we have a remote control car or an unmanned vehicle crash into one person oh, and, Ryan, we, yes. yeah, and we, throw, we throw our hands up and we freak yeah. out about it, not well, thinking about the 20,000 people that died via texting during, you know, or the 200 people that died because of texting in that period of time that would have been saved had they had automated vehicles. And so I, I just think that as we move forward, we will get more and more comfortable with this information, with this data being out there, and we'll find better uses for it. And that's what I think that this, I mean, it'll make the insurance companies more profitable. It'll make the, the I, I, I just have a hard time seeing where we, as the agency channel with our size fits into this, how do we tap into that, that kind of tool set? You know, and so that's something that I always am looking for synergies with partners for my AssureX partners, you know, and, and trying to figure out how do we as AssureX come together and do something awesome in that space. Yes. Yeah. So uh, one thing on the, on the, on the one, on the car killing somebody, I think I want to, I want to get your thoughts. I think it's a control thing, right? Uh, you know, at, at least I was in control of if I died or not, at least that's what they think, you know, and, and just giving it away to something else and feeling kind of powerless I, I think that's the hold up even though I, I completely agree it's like the most irrational they'll point to the you know the fact that that like it's happened twice even though it has happened twenty thousand times with us doing it right uh, i i also share your fear of what happens when this data moves so fast that it creates a far superior experience to that data interpretation than what we have traditionally provided um and I don't know what the answer to that is either. Um, so I, I feel like we should end on a positive note and this is far from it. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, cause there's always that human element involved. Um, how, what, when we're dealing with these things and if we can completely eliminate risk and that sounds ridiculous, but you know, come really close. Um, do you have any guesses on what that human interaction would be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we, and we see it in, in um, operationally mature agencies all the time. I mean, we see niches. People will pay for expertise. It doesn't matter. If you are, if you are the expert at, you know, uh, nonprofits yeah. in your area, people will come to you just so they can say, hey, we had that expert you know, take a look at this. And so I, I see more and more agencies niching out. I mean, it's operationally more profitable. It's better value. It's better programs with the carriers. It's better partnerships. Um, and so I, I think that firms that say, look, we're going to, we're going to have a general kind of uh, appetite, but we're really going to specialize in these three or four areas as they can those specialties will drive their revenue long term and drive their relevancy long term because regardless of who you are in this world i think we will always want an expert now that may be an expert backed up with some ai because you know how to use it uh, that may be because you have some resources that others don't but because you've niched out and you've spent time in that space you will drive folks to you regardless of sensor data regardless of anything else and that's how I think the, the firms that exist in 15 years, we see extremely focused in, in specific areas. That's, that's what I think. All right, Ryan, 
Before we get to the last question, where can people get in touch with you, reach out? Where's the best place to connect with you? Man, LinkedIn all day. Just type in Ryan Deeds and you'll see me and then we can be friends. Yeah, I actually connected, Ryan. I don't know. Is it, can you be friends on LinkedIn or can you just be like associates? Like what's the official? Everybody's friends, man. I'm, I'm I, I, it's just friends. I just want to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and we all get along and we all get better together. I mean, that's really my deal. I think I could, I think I get down with that. Depends on how long we're holding hands, but I think. <laughs> and did you uh, wash your hands first, right? Well, that was, I didn't want to go full OCD on you, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I will have a bottle of Purell probably nearby, but anyways, um, last question on that. How much time do we have to kind of get into those niches to build that expertise if it doesn't already exist? And, um, and, and how, how much of an urgency should we have towards this whole thing? Well, I mean, I think it all depends on the, the goal of the owner. You know, if the goal of the owner is to maximize their EBITDA or net profit percentage, um, then they're looking for some kind of exit in the next five years. You know, we have multiples that are higher than we've ever seen before. Um, that's a very different play. Now, if I'm a young owner, um, like there's an agency, the real agency, I think in Kentucky, and they've got some young owners and, you know, for those folks to, to, to they're going to, they're going to bring in services and technologies that are specific to the areas that they want to, 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 um, attract. I think that's happening right now. I mean, you know, I, I, I think that everybody has to be gravitating to either, I'm okay with where I'm at and I'm just going to exit at some point when somebody comes and gets me or, or I'm going to try to remain relevant over the next 15 years because I, I want to grow this bad boy. And if I want to grow it, I'm looking at niches right now. I'm trying to figure out what value looks like to my clients. I'm trying to understand what, what can I differentiate of myself and of my agency that another agency may not be able to do. Um, I think that's what will keep you afloat. And that's what will bring in the bacon long term, I 